0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to the one and only Ginger Gerald, You Lucky Bastard. The podcast which gives a real and honest take on life overseas, with a few true and funny stories thrown in to keep you entertained, and of course, to illustrate my very academic and thought-provoking content. Hope you've enjoyed the ride so far, and that you've come back, bringing with you a whole bunch of new listeners to see what nonsense and or insights I have up my sleeve for you today. Well, we've now expanded our reach. Ginger Gerald, You Lucky Bastard can now be accessed on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn and Alexa as well as on Spotify, Amazon Music and Stretcher. So please follow me or whatever it is you need to do um, so that old Ginger Gerald pops up among your favourite feeds each week and I don't have to keep sending you a little reminder on WhatsApp. However... We will also be keeping our reminders and teasers going on Instagram and Facebook because we love them and Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard, is now on Instagram and Facebook. For all your newcomers, a very warm welcome to you and thanks for joining the party. I'm your host, Ginger Gerald, and the $64 million question that we're all trying to find the answer to is, Am I a lucky bastard or not? This week, I'm going to take you back to the school playground. Remember when you went around trying to scramble together enough people to play, well, whatever it was you fancied playing? Anybody want to play football? Or maybe that was just me. Yep, today we're going to talk about making friends. Now, maybe that sounds a little simple, even a little banal. But when you've just left all of your family and friends behind by taking the decision to move away from them, remember it was a decision, remember the first episode, D Day? And some of them, well, sadly, you may have lost them for good. Then what could be more critical to your future happiness and personal satisfaction than finding replacement mates in your new hometown? Now, I'm not the best in the world at making mates. It's not that I'm miserable and I'm very rarely rude to people, unless of course they do something to really annoy me, then I do have a special button for those situations. I'm just not great at developing friendships consistently and over a long period of time. So my strategy to make me feel better about myself is to classify everyone I've spent more than two minutes in a conversation with as my mate. The taxi driver, the lady in the shop, the postie, she's an absolute star. And, of course, the Chinese restaurant delivery guy. And this isn't a new strategy, I have to tell you. When I bought my first car ever, I was 22 years old. It was a mucky brown Austin Allegro. Not that posh Van der Plas variety. Oh, no. And every time I saw another mucky brown Austin Allegro, and there was quite a few of them, I waved at the driver as if they were my soulmate. They usually stuck the V's up to me in return, but that never deterred me. And nowadays, living in Mallorca, I do what everyone does, and I often head out on my road bike. Well, of course, anyone else out on the bike that particular day gets their big nod and their thumbs up from Ginger Gerald. I like to feel, temporarily at least, that they're my closest pals. There's an old boy. He lives just up the road from us here. He walks past our house at least twice a day, every day, big smile on his face and his earphones in. Hey, maybe he's listening to Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard. I never thought of that. Anyway, I don't think we've ever said more than two words to each other, but I class him as my mate and I can confirm that I'll be including him in my will. I've also considered myself to be a friendly type. I love having a laugh with anyone, a drink with anyone. And as you lot already clearly know, I can talk nonsense until the cows come home. So why, oh why do I not easily make and keep friends? Well, maybe because it's, I'm one of eight children and we're all boys. So as a kid, I didn't need to go and find a bunch of mates as much as say, an only child. And I don't think my mum and dad were too keen on us having loads of friends around. That would have meant even more food to provide and even more noise. As a lad with seven brothers, and bear in mind, I'm number six, so I'm near the bottom end. uh, I had a house full of people to play sabutio with, to fight with, to watch TV with, to hang out with. And then maybe a little bit later, when we got a bit older, go drinking with. And as an adult, once I've moved away from home, Maybe I just chopped and changed too much to settle into any long-term friendships. Since leaving Stoke at the age of 18, I've lived in 17 different places. And I hate to think how many different addresses within those places. And that includes almost nine years in Cancun and eight years here in Majorca. And there's six different addresses just there. And at times in my life, I've had some great mates. I was an overseas holiday rep for years and as a rep you sort of live in the pockets of your colleagues for six months or so from one season to the next. In my case it was ski in the winter, sun in the summer, then back to ski again. And some of those guys were just amazing. I've been inseparable from certain colleagues who then really become close, close mates. Tom, Ash, Lupita, Lucy, Lynn, I could rattle off so many names. And I know that some of you are listening, you know who you are, so a big shout out from Ginger Gerald to all of my mates, and indeed to all of the ex-overseas rep fraternity. Just so many characters, so many shared experiences and fabulous, fabulous memories. But then, after your five or six months when the season's over, the bell goes and it's all change. Out with one lot. And in with the next, bye, see you later, have a lovely life now. You move on, you're no longer in the same circle, you lose touch and you just sort of stop being mates. And remember, we didn't have WhatsApp or Facebook groups in those days to help us to keep in touch. And what a crying shame, what an absolute travesty that so many young adults, UK nationals I'm talking about, have had this great opportunity taken away from them now. That makes my blood boil just thinking about it. One of my two best mates from my school days back in Stoke, he still lives within a couple of miles where he was born and brought up. You see, I know that's quite normal, but for the likes of me, that's amazing. That sort of thing makes me really quite jealous. He knows the place and the people inside out. He's been there for more than 50 years. His network of contacts Must be absolutely fantastic. I'm absolutely sure he's paid off his mortgage years ago, and I reckon he's got about a thousand more friends than I have. But I also bet that nobody comes up to him in the street or in the pub and says, Oi, tall, dark-haired Irish person, you're a lucky bastard. Well, apart from me, that is. Oh no, the assumption is that Ginger Gerald here, and all you Ginger Gerald's out there, is the lucky bastard, as we're the ones who've been moving around to all these glamorous places living at large. But it's not always lucky when it comes to making and keeping friends. My wife T, she's very good at friends and she's very good at friendships. Now, she doesn't have a million mates, but she has some very good and loyal ones who she keeps in touch with regularly from different parts of her life and different parts of the world. She always accuses me of borrowing her mates and turning them into my own, as it's a bit easier than finding my own. Well, she's probably right, eh? So given what I've explained and what you know so far, how did Ginger Gerald get on making friends when we arrived in different places where we barely knew a bean? When I say making friends, i'm really referring to the initial process rather than how successful i was in terms of converting new contacts into lifelong buddy bosom buddies or in my case temporary or borrowed buddies the new friend making process for me had three main strands but please don't think i actually devised a making friends strategy on a nice excel spreadsheet i'm really not quite that sad the first strand is the Facebook groups Brits in Mallorca, I Have a Question, Brits in Dubai, Expats in Lisbon. Wherever you go, there are a million and one groups like this offering advice, opinions, and resources. Now, even if you're allergic to social media and you hate it with a passion, they are still a great source of information, and in particular, contacts, especially when you're a newbie to overseas life. Just take the stuff you read with a pinch of salt. But bringing a bright, smart bunch as you are, who clearly take very good decisions about what you listen to and who you're influenced by, I'm sure you already do that. The next strand is your kids, if you've got them, that is, and if they're at a school-going age. The younger they are, the better, because they're so dependent on you and you can't really avoid meeting the parents of the kids in their class, even if you wanted to. And then once you've met some of them, you might spend the next year or so trying to avoid them. Anyway, we did have kids. Indeed, we do have kids, but they were younger then. One of them was in pre-primary and one in secondary school. So that was perfect for a bunch of different initial contacts. And as both schools were dual language schools, English and Spanish, this gave us immediate contact with both international and Mexican parents. That's perfect. And there's nothing they like more. giving out advice opinions and in particular gossip to the newcomers now i think i knew who was having an affair with who before i even met any of our kids teachers as mentioned before there'll be a chunk more on schooling and education at a later stage in this series and then my third strand's a little bit different this one my third strand is sport Now, in our case particularly, sport was hugely important and it became, what it was, our major source of friendships and companionships. We'd both been involved for a lot of sport in our past and we knew we needed and wanted to keep that going in Cancun. Now, for some people, I get that this third strand won't be sport, but it will definitely be a hobby of some kind where like-minded people come together to do, well, whatever it is they come together to do crocheting, for example, or line dancing, or dog walking, or singing, or anything you like, whatever takes your fancy, there's always a bunch of people who do it and whose group you can get into pretty easily if you want to. Now, you may end up hating the group and hating what it was you came into in the first place and you're desperate to get out, but by then you'll have made the contacts you want or you need, and those contacts, of course, lead to other contacts. Now, as luck would have it, Just as we arrived in Cancun, a posh-ish sports club, complete with five tennis courts and a beautiful outdoor pool, Casablanca, was just about to open. And they were hard-selling discounted memberships to get the club going. One thing we had to get used to was that the advertised price is rarely the price you pay for anything. That's quite a British concept. Everything is negotiable. Anyway... Despite the final negotiated price and quite what percentage of our income that represented, which brought tears to the eyes, we decided it just had to be done. So eventually the club opened. Something else we learnt very quickly, of course, is nothing happens on time. Nobody arrives on time and ahorita, which literally means right now, really means "Mm, in a bit, maybe never. But it's rude to say no. Anyway. Casablanca was a massive success for us for the entire time we were in Mexico and it very quickly became our home from home. It was largely a place for, dare I say it, middle-class Mexicans, some of whom do no sport at all but just like to be seen there and they loved their all-morning breakfasts of sopes, frijoles, chilaquiles. Ooh, I went into a little gastronomic world of my own there and I'm getting a little bit hungry. But most people, to be fair, were there to either play tennis, go to the gym, or at least to walk around the changing room naked. Now, thanks to Casablanca, tennis became a really significant part of our life. It's where our son picked up a racket for the very first time. His first ever lesson, he struggled to understand anything. Poor little lad, he ended up getting thrown off court for putting a cone on his head. Anyway, we ended up building quite a reputation at that club. And some nine years later, when it was time to leave Cancun, Casablanca threw us such a lovely leaving party where we spent the entire day drinking cover and playing mixed troubles at the same time. In fact, tennis has played such a massive part in our lives over the last 16 years or so, not just in Cancun, but even now, that I'm going to dedicate a whole bonus episode to it. And specifically to being a tennis parent. Now, those of you who are not into sports or haven't been a, a parent of a sports person, don't think everything's what it seems. My stories will include the cartels closing down in the centre of Monterey with under 12 games to, due to go on court, kids passing out from smoke inhalation in temperatures above 45 degrees Celsius, armed police uh, in the Holiday Inn in Veracruz and Cornish pasties, that are not actually from Cornwall. Oh, I didn't mention this. Cheating. There's lots of cheating. And most of it's not from the kids. Anyway, it'll be a real insider view on local, regional, national, even international tennis competition, including the challenge of combining education with high-performance tennis training. Maybe that's a little bit highbrow for Ginger Gerald, but for any sports parents out there, it may just be of interest. So watch out for my... Bonus episode coming soon. So guys, that brings me towards the end of making friends. It's a pretty important theme when you head overseas. So don't underestimate the effort it can take and the investment of time it requires. A very beautiful place, an exciting job, a gorgeous home and an unbelievable opportunity can all end up being very, very lonely and sad existences if you're actually a Billy No-Mates. And the moral of the story is, you've guessed it, you need to be better than Ginger Gerald at making un-nurturing friendships. So that's my insight for today, folks. I hope it's enriched your lives. Next week, I'm going to mix it up a bit. We're going to talk about holidays. If you live in paradise, then where do you go on holiday and what do you do? Is going back to the UK considered a holiday or do you actually need a holiday to recover from going back to the UK? And what about your nearest and dearest coming out to have their summer holiday in your house? Oh, I've got some great stories and I've got a few golden rules which I'll be sharing with you all. So please keep passing the pod And I very much look forward to speaking to you all next week. Bye now. Thank you, Ginger Gerald, for enriching our lives.